bit of fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. We're on to a new conversation about romantic comedies here in season four. We've only got a few episodes left and it hasn't been nearly as horrible as I feared it might. I mean, I like romantic comedies. I even love some, but I was a bit afraid that the experience would be squidgy. (laughs) I guess I like the word squidgy. Here's the thing. When you're just killing time, relaxing, eating popcorn, and watching an adorable movie about two people falling in love, it's all, it's grand and dandy. It's sweet and cute and hopeful because love is and should be, at least part of the time, all of those things. But when you sit down to watch said romantic comedies with a laptop in hand and a podcast episode to prepare, the experience is entirely different. You start to get a little cynical a little grouchy, maybe a little perturbed at the poor communication skills of the people in the movies. They build this imaginary world where the perfect guy or girl is around every corner. Falling in love only takes approximately three days, and the more you argue, the greater chance you have of living happily ever after. Watching several back-to-back is sort of exhausting. And then there's today's episode. I've been kind of excited about this episode because we're shifting gears once again. Today, we're talking about the slightly more realistic trope of friends to lovers. It's the slow burn of romantic comedies where characters actually get to know each other before falling in love. They talk, they share, they grow with one another, and then they decide to give relationship a try. Today we're talking about When Harry Met Sally and Always Be My Maybe. So first up, we're going to look at 1989's When Harry Met Sally, starring Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. The thing about this one is that Harry and Sally weren't really even friends at first, which makes it so much better. They were acquaintances that barely tolerated one another right out of college. They end up taking a road trip from Chicago to New York because of a mutual friend, And to put it bluntly, it was definitely not the start of a budding relationship. Harry was arrogant, and Sally was, well, she was priggish. They were young and too self-absorbed to know how to get along with one another. They also, side note, had horrible hair. (laughs) Horrible hair. It was not the best attempt I've ever seen at making two grown humans look younger than they actually are. They dyed Harry's hair way too dark. Sally just had way too much hair, too much hair. It was, it was just, it was unfortunate. It was in that meeting that Harry makes the bold statement that men and women can't actually be friends because of the so-called, because one of the so-called friends is always thinking about sleeping with the other. Then they part ways. But then randomly see one another five years later on a flight. Their conversation sort of picks up right where it left off, but now both are in a committed relationship. Harry is a little less annoying, and Sally is, at the very least, dressing a little better. At the beginning of the movie, she was wearing, like, long shorts with knee socks. And and then the hair. (laughs) There's just a lot going on at the beginning. But they still don't like each other very much. Another five years go by, and they happen to be in the same bookstore, still in New York City. And for such a big city with so many people, it's amazing how often they just kind of run into one another. It's at that meeting, finally, that things start to change. Sally has just broken up with her boyfriend, Joe. Harry's wife has just left him. And the two are in a a vulnerable position. And so they start to become friends. They talk on the phone, share mutual miseries, go to museums, celebrate New Year's together, watch movies together, specifically Casablanca. They genuinely like being around one another, but neither makes a move. In fact, they try to set one another up with their respective best friends. 
It doesn't go great. Said best friends actually hit it off, but they want each other to be happy. At least I think they do. They, they each start to date other people. They hang out together as friends, but jealousy starts to creep in, criticizing, you know, the significant other behind their back. Like, have you seen this guy Sally's dating? He's the worst. Or, hey, Harry could do so much better than, than so-and-so. Then things get off the rails when Sa- Sally calls Harry up in tears after finding out that her ex, Joe, is about to get married. Harry rushes over to comfort her, and the comfort leads to spending the night with one another. And because Harry is an idiot, <laughs> he rushes out as soon as he can. He does say, hey, if you want to go, I would love to take you out to dinner later, you know. But he's living up to all of the arrogant things he said in the past about men and women being friends, and things get very awkward. They both admit it was a mistake, at least to each other. To themselves seems to be a very different story, but the magic of their friendship is gone. Harry wants to move right past it, but Sally is having a hard time. And then New Year's comes along, and we get the hands-down best line in a romantic comedy. Harry realizes that it wasn't a mistake, that he is an idiot, and goes running through the cold to get to Sally before midnight. And he does, and she doesn't want to be his consolation prize. You know, she's like, I know you're lonely, but that doesn't mean you can just come running and I'm, you know, going to fall into your arms. But then he goes and says this, and I'm going to read the whole thing because I just love it so much. (laughs) He says, I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after spending the day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. And these friends, despite... The really horrible hairdos in fashion realize that they have fallen in love. It's a love with the foundation. They got to know each other first. It's also, off topic again, really impressive that they go to big New Year's shindigs every year. (laughs) I've tried that a couple times. Never really ended well for me, but that is a story for another day. So a few interesting tidbits about this movie. The segments of married couples telling the stories of how they met are real stories that director Rob Reiner collected for the film. Then they hired actors to relay the stories. Sally's picky and crazy eating habits were put into the movie after director Rob Reiner saw screenwriter Nora Ephron ordering her food in the same way Sally does in the film. When Reiner brought this up, Ephron stated, I just want it the way I want it, a line which was put into the movie. But for deciding on the title when Harry met Sally, screenwriter Efron, producer Andrew Scheinman, and director Rob Reiner considered Just Friends, Playing Melancholy Baby, Boy Meets Girl, Blue Moon, Words of Love, It Had to Be You, Harry, This is Sally. I think that's my, <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. Harry, This is Sally. And How They Met. I kind of like how they fell. Apparently, Efron did not like the title. That was the one part that she really regretted. She didn't like the title of the movie. And Joe, so Sally's ex-boyfriend, Joe, she is with Joe at the airport when her and Harry meet for the second time. He is played by Stephen Ford, the son of 38th, the 38th U.S. President, Gerald Ford. I thought that was fascinating. So as Harry met Sally, two friends who, over the course of of years have gotten to know each other, um, learn their quirks, their idiosyncrasies, their flaws, uh, and realize they like each other 
even with all of those things or because of all of those things, especially because of all of those things. And I really, I really like that one. It's so sweet. It's so good. It's so good. It's one that you can just put on. And I do realize this is my second Meg Ryan. That's okay. I, I didn't include French Kiss with, with Kevin Klein, which I think is one of her best films, or Joe versus the Volcano with Tom Hanks could have been on here. Of course, Sleepless in Seattle with Hanks. I, there were others I could have chosen from. French Kiss, I love. But when Harry met Sally, it's just, it's a staple. You've got to just really appreciate the storytelling in this one and how well they do it over the course of time. You know time has passed. You know they've grown up. And it's just really good. And it's another one where you get to enjoy New York City in the fall, like you've got mail. And now for 2019's Always Be My Maybe, starring Ali Wong as Sasha and Randall Park as Marcus. If you've not seen this one, it is on Netflix. It is a hoot and a half. <laughs> How does one measure a hoot? I don't know. Maybe we should talk about that sometime. Let's talk about that sometime. Another thing, like what is a scamper? When someone scampers, what exactly does a scamper look like? It's, it's one of those deep philosophical questions that I ask myself often, to be completely honest. But back to Always Be My Baby, where the feelings, um, they came a little sooner in this one. So it, it started off as solid friends as kids. These, these two grew up together. They were best friends. They lived right next door to one another. Sasha would always come over to Marcus's house. She enjoyed spending time with his parents and him because her parents weren't really around much. But after Marcus's mother dies when he's a teenager, they're both 18, Sasha wants to comfort him, and the friends somehow spend the evening together in his very tiny car. They don't quite know what to do with that type of intimacy afterwards, so they immediately go their own way. They yell at each other. It doesn't end well. They go their own way. Sasha goes off to college. Marcus decides to stay home to help his dad. He feels like he, he just lost his mom. He can't let his dad lose him, too. So then fast forward 16 years. Sasha is a famous chef. She owns her own restaurant, has a fiance. And Marcus is still at home, stuck in life, usually high, has a very interesting girlfriend named Jenny and a lot of unrealized dreams of being in a successful band. When her, when Sasha's fiance sort of breaks up with her and she decides to officially cut ties with him, she returns home to San Francisco to open up her new restaurant alone. That's when she reconnects with Marcus. It takes a little time to break the ice. They still had kind of the hard feelings after their last meeting. They hadn't talked for 16 years, but soon they're friends again. They remember how close they were and how many shared memories they have. So they start to hang out. Sasha goes to one of Marcus's gigs, loves it, thinks the band is just as good as they were in high school. Marcus goes to a kid's birthday party at Sasha's parents' house. They have meals, they take walks and talk. They're friends again. And just when Marcus realizes, with a little help from his father, that the feelings he's had for Sasha since they were kids are still there, Sasha goes. She goes and meets Keanu Reeves at a rap party she's catering. And I, for the longest time, was like, what is a rap party? Like R-A-P party, but it's a rap party, W-R-A-P party. So something has ended and she's catering the shindig. I'm getting off topic again. It's Keanu Reeves. Beautiful, hilarious Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves playing a version of himself that is just, it's beautiful. Marcus is understandably crushed. If, if I was in love with someone and they're like, I just met... <laughs> Keanu Reeves, I would be crushed too, because what are the chances? I mean, how do you compete with Keanu Reeves? But he's going to try to make the best of it. So he ends up going on a double date with his 
crazy kind of hippie-ish girlfriend, Jenny, the woman he's actually in love with, Sasha, and Keanu Reeves, who, again, he plays a kind of a douchebag version of himself, which is perfect in every single way. It's over the top. It's goofy. And it ends with Marcus actually punching the one and only Keanu in the face. So Sasha and Marcus leave the date while Jenny understandably excitedly stays with Keanu and they again end up spending the night together and it would appear that they are finally a couple. So she's now going to all of his gigs. He's supporting her, which he starts to see is a little awkward because um, he goes to a fancy event. He does not know how to dress. He ends up kind of standing to the side holding his, her purse. So he, he just didn't know what to expect. I, I can kind of see how that would be a little startling if you fell out of your element not really sure, you know, what to do or how to behave. And then you're kind of standing off to the side as this person you're with and that you love is big and, and important. Well, Sasha's, it goes well until Sasha's ambition and Marcus's lack thereof really starts to get in the way. She invites him to New York. She to She's going to open another restaurant. She would like him to move there with her to help with the project. But Marcus chickens out, even after she tells him she's in love with him. So. Sasha goes off to New York and Marcus is left with the consequences of his actions, which finally lead to another great conversation with his dad. His dad is fabulous. And he kind of realizes he finally has to grow up. His dad doesn't need a caretaker. He's been kind of using his dad as a crutch to not do anything with his life. So he moves out of his dad's house. He buys a a legit suit that he could wear out in public and not be embarrassed. And eventually realizes that he needs to go get Sasha. He needs to fly across the country. And so he does that. He shows up at another fancy event and he does this wonderful speech about how much he respects her and especially, you know, everything that she's done for her life and how far she has come. And he would love to just hold her purse at big events. And so she opens him with open arm, welcomes him with open arms. And the two, I'm going to believe in this case, live happily ever after. This might, it really might be one of my favorite rom-com tropes. In both movies, there's a natural struggle with communication without it ever breaking down completely. In both, they don't talk to each other for a little while, but then they do. (laughs) But they've had conversations. You also see it where communication works really well. There's a scene where Harry and Sally are at their best friend's house who have now moved into one together. Harry's not dealing well, having seen his ex-wife, who is now dating somebody else. He kind of takes out his anger on Sally. Sally kind of snaps back and's like, look, I understand you're upset, but you don't get to, you know, take this out on me. And she has her say. And then afterwards, he's like, he he apologizes. They actually communicate well in that. He, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. And then you see it in... Um, Always be my maybe as well, where they, you know, they talk about how how the evening didn't go well. They shouldn't have said what they said. Um, that she actually, Sasha tells him how she feels, and he doesn't do well with that at first, but he finds a way to communicate in the end. And I just, I really like that. So it, you see two people in each of the movies working at the relationship. They fight, they disagree, they make up, they take the time to get to know one another. And in the end, they appreciate it each other, including their flaws. It's so sweet. Isn't it sweet? And I'm already planning a Keanu Reeves appreciation week after season five. So no worries. It is always, always a good time to talk about Keanu Reeves. There's never a bad time to do it. I mean, we could do it now, but 
I won't because he's not in a ton of romantic comedies. He's in a couple, but not a ton. Anyway, some interesting tidbits about this particular movie. Keanu Reeves. He filmed all of his scenes in just four days between shooting John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, which came out in 2019. All of his scenes were filmed in San San Francisco instead of Vancouver to accommodate his schedule. During an interview on NPR, the program Weekend Edition Sunday, Ali Wong said that one way she wanted to set this movie apart from other more conventional romantic comedies was to omit the traditional makeover subplot for the female lead. Something that people picked up on is that she wears her glasses from the beginning to the end, which is just extremely rare in a rom-com, but usually there's some sort of makeover that involves where they ditch the glasses, and she's like, and I'm not going to ditch the glasses, and I, I love that. You know, sometimes people actually have to wear glasses. I am one of those people. So they I couldn't just toss them off because then I couldn't see anything. <laughs> when Sasha, Keanu, Ginny, and Marcus go for dinner together, the restaurant, known in the film as Maximal, which is a great scene, is actually San Francisco's Contemporary Jewish Museum, which I thought was interesting. And finally, Susan Park and Randall Park. So Randall is Marcus, okay? Susan Park they are not related in real life. They play, that's his mother in the movie. They are also co-stars in Fresh Off the Boat, which was a sitcom that came out in 2015. And in the sitcom, they play sister and brother-in-law. <laughs> that's a weird dynamic, how they go from sister and brother-in-law to then mother and son. Thought that's awesome. But that's that's it. On the next episode, we are going to be exploring complicated family dynamics and romantic comedies with 2007's Because I Said So, starring Diane Keaton and Mandy Moore in 2018's Crazy Rich Asians with Constance Wu and Henry Golding. This is another example of I really just wanted to talk about these two movies. So that's what we're going to do. But that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening, really. It is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture with people that don't really know what they're talking about can join in on the fun as well. Or if you want to share this podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.